October 4th, 2022 hybrid in-person and virtual meeting of the San Francisco Entertainment Commission. My name is Ben Blyman and I'm the commission's president. We will start with announcements. This meeting is being held in hybrid format with the meeting occurring in person in City Hall room 416, broadcast live on SFGov TV and available on view on Zoom or listen to by calling 1-669-900-6833 using meeting ID 836-5104-8888. Before we begin, I would like to remind all individuals present and attending the meeting in person today that all health and safety protocols and building rules must be adhered to at all times. We appreciate your cooperation with these important rules in the interest of everyone's health and safety. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the beginning of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. Each comment is limited to three minutes. Public comment will be taken both in person and remotely by video or call-in. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person and then from people attending the meeting remotely. For those attending in person, please fill out a speaker card located at the side table or podium. Come up to the podium during public comment, state your name, any affiliations, and then your comment. You will have three minutes. Once finished, please hand your speaker card to the commission secretary behind the podium. Opportunities to speak during the common public period are available via the Zoom platform using meeting ID 836-5104-8839 or by calling 1-669-900-6833 and using the meeting ID. If using the Zoom platform to speak, select the raise hand option when it's time for public comment. If calling by phone, dial star nine to be added to the speaker line when your item of interest comes up. When you're asked to speak, you unmute yourself by hitting star six. Please call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. If you are also viewing the meeting on SFGov TV, be sure to mute it before before speaking during public comment. Alternatively, while we recommend that you use Zoom, audio, or telephone for public comment, you may submit a written public comment through the chat function on Zoom. Please note that commissioners and staff are not allowed to respond to comments or questions during public comment. Thank you to SFGov TV and Media Services for sharing this meeting with the public. Thank you very much. And now, uh, can we do a roll call? President Blyman? Here. Vice President Camino? Here. Commissioner Falzon? Here. Commissioner Thomas is running a little late. Uh, Commissioner Wong? Here. And Commissioner Perez is uh, excused for today. All right, the next agenda item is number one, which is general public comment. So this is an opportunity for anybody to speak on items that are not listed on the agenda. So do we have any general public comment? There is one on Zoom. One second. All right. Okay, excuse me. So we have one person raised with a hand raised in Zoom. I'm going to allow. So uh, William Holtzman, uh, please unmute yourself, and you have three minutes to make a comment. Thank you. My name is Bill Holtzman. And I've lived in Corona Heights for more than 25 years and have never filed a complaint with regard to music. Okay. With that said, I'm calling to complain about the Portola Music Festival, September 24, 25. The, fe the festival was totally obnoxious as it generated nonstop thump, thump, thump all day, all night. 
The bass low-level sound could be heard throughout the community, on the hills, and in the flat mines. We live more than four miles from the event and can hear it in the living room, the kitchen, and in our kidneys. Same for the neighbors. Across the city and East Bay, the response was consistent and negative, as this and this was reflected in the media press coverage. Cron 2, SF Portola Music Festival caused noise complaints in Alameda. KTVU, SF Portola Festival criticized over noise and crowd control. The good, the bad, and the very ugly of Portola's fest, sfgate.com. And if you want a real education, go to 311 and look up the complaint list that came in from this festival. There were too many to count, but I'm telling you, it was in the hundreds. The commission staff did respond to my concerns, and the response is too long to summarize here, but to say this is a very upbeat viewpoint that was divorced from reality. At least in one posting, the organizers blamed weather conditions and pointed out that they were helping to repair the city after COVID. Really? Weather? What next? Dog ate my uh, sound tester? COVID saviors for $200 a ticket? That's pretty gutsy. When you look at the commission's reply versus independent news coverage, there seems to be more than a little ambiguity. Some would say the commission is carrying water for Golden Voice. To be clear, there is no one who is trying to cancel any music program anywhere in the city. But I do live by the golden rule, which is your right to swing or play music stops at my chin or at my eardrums. So let's see what we can do to fix this mess and avoid a repeat next year. Five questions. Exactly where were the sound sensors placed and exactly what were the measuring criteria, e.g., Overall sound or low-level bass? 30 seconds. How many? 30. In Corona Heights, we didn't hear the music, but we did hear the bass. According to the statement, the tests were conducted by the event organizer, which is asking the fox to guard the hen house. The hen house. What actions follow the 3-1 complaints? And if Golden Voice attempts to repeat event, Will the commission send notices to all those complaining and organize a public hearing in advance of any permit? I'm asking the commission. So sorry, you're at time, but we thank you so much for your comment. Thank you. All right. Any more public comments? Uh, just double checking, and there are none. All right. We'll close general public comment. The number two on the agenda is approval of the minutes from the September 20, 2022 commission meeting. And I'll ask if we have a motion to approve the minutes. I move to approve. I'll second. All right. Is there any public comment on the minutes? There is none. Jim's died. Okay. So we can vote. We'll close public comment and we can vote. I just wanted to uh, state that Commissioner Thomas has arrived. So I will include her in the vote. Um, President Blyman. Aye. Vice President Camino. Aye. Commissioner Falzon? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right. The meeting minutes have been approved. The next agenda item is number three, which is a report from Director Wyland. Good evening, commissioners. Um, hello to everybody that's tuning in both online and in person today. 
I have a few updates for my director's report this evening, beginning with a legislative and policy update uh, relative to uh, State Bill 793, which was sponsored by Senator Weiner regarding alcoholic beverages for music venue licenses. So this is something that Ben Van Houten was following closely and updated you all at our last hearing on September 20th. Um, and it just so happened to pass two days later. So that was an exciting bit of news we wanted to share. Um, I did provide a copy of the bill language in your files for tonight in case you want to check it out further. And if you have any questions about it, let me know and whatever I can answer, I'm happy to relay over to Ben to get back to you. Um, the next update tonight is a quick one as well. This is regarding our vacancy right now for a junior sound inspector role on the team. Uh, we had a job posting up for three weeks that closed on Friday at 5 p.m. Uh, and we're very excited to report that we had 37 applicants, which um, is much more than we've ever had in years past. Um, and it looks like we have some varying degrees of background that are really interesting. So we're gonna dive into that um, and keep you posted on our hiring process. But we would ideally like to have somebody in the field um, prior to some of our bigger events that are coming up um, in the fall and especially prior to New Year's Eve. Um, so that'll be great training for that person to participate in that. Um, next update for you is actually relevant to the public comment we just received about Portola Music Festival. So as you'll recall, um, earlier this year, Golden Voice came and um, had their permit application heard at hearing due to the fact that their one-time event application permit exceeded criteria set out by the commission themselves uh, relevant to the hours in which they were operating that day, extending past six hours, um, their sound limit exceeding 250 foot ambient, um, and essentially this being a large music festival. And this is not something that we've really permitted on this scale before. Um, it was something that's comparable to an outside lands. There were four stages on Pier 80 for this event. Um, weekend before this last one, um, there were 30,000 attendees. Um, I am happy to report that on the um, high end of data that we can share out, the major positives were that there were no medical emergencies, um, there were no arrests, and there were no um, ejections from the festival. So in terms of public safety, we feel confident that it was a positive um, a positive event. Um, in response to the public comment and what I wanted to update about tonight is that we did receive several sound complaints uh, that spanned um, beyond what we have seen before for large events, really in comparison to Oracle Park. Uh, that's the only thing I can compare it to in terms of things that we regulate that are large scale and outdoor. Um, we received in your file, you'll see uh, sort of a data collection summary that I provided to you. And we received 142 311 complaints, not only that weekend, but after the fact relevant to the event. We also received 22 email and phone complaints in addition to this, so some of those might be repetitive people. Um, the nature of the complaints were predominantly about sound. Um, majority of them were from Alameda. 
Um, and I have been on an email thread with the mayor of Alameda about that. Um, and then the other areas that were affected were Bernal, Noe Valley, and Potrero Hill neighborhoods. Um, and as you know, historically, the eastern waterfront um, sound does tend to carry geographically um, up the hill as opposed to in surrounding neighborhoods. So it's something that I think as a commission, we potentially need to outsource and research around sound mitigation efforts for this area specifically because of the fact that it's traveling so far. And as you heard from the complainant that we just heard from, they were affected by base frequencies as opposed to your A-weighted frequencies. Um, I was at the festival both days checking it out. Um, we had two inspectors in the field uh, all weekend that were also doing sound measurements. So it wasn't just Golden Voice that was doing that. Um, and you will see reports about the measurements in our data collection summary. What's interesting is that the limit that we set them at was to not exceed ambient about 2,500 feet from the premises, which was the closest sensitive receptor. And during the weekend, they did not. Um, so that is the interesting factor because of the fact that the sound traveled to different areas instead. Um, so I'm happy to answer any questions about that. Obviously, if Golden Voice wants to repeat this first-time event next year, it's something that our commission would oversee again on all of our public uh, meetings, are agendized uh, 30 days in advance for something like this, and you can check online and you can always join uh, as a participant. And I'm sure that Golden Voice will also be uh, reaching out to the community as it will be a requirement for them to perform neighborhood outreach again, and we're happy to provide 311 data for from complainants who are willing to uh, share their email addresses. So uh, that is the update for that this evening. I'm happy to go over any of that with you. I've also provided um, our responses that we did share with neighbors uh, in a PDF document in your file, along with our responses to the press around this uh, event. Any questions, comments? Um, I know that at least on social media, there were also concerns raised about the safety around crowd control and access to different parts of the. Yeah, I can speak to that. Yeah, so on Saturday, there it was the first day of the festival, and there were some learning lessons that happened very quickly. Um, essentially, what you're referring to is the fact that one of the four stages was within the warehouse, which was the only enclosed space within the premises, or partially enclosed, and so it had a capacity of about 15,000. Um, what happened was on day one, they scheduled an act that was a nobody about a year ago, took off majorly in the scene um, in the last six months, and so they weren't anticipating a lot of people to come into that set. Uh, which was inaccurate. People were jumping the line, jumping over barriers to get in, and they were over capacity during that one particular set. So at that time, the fire marshal came in, worked with Golden Voice, and limited uh, patron access into the premises moving forward, and then they managed that there on out. So it was literally only an issue for that one set, which is good, but it was videotaped 
far and wide. I saw many videos of it on TikTok myself. I was personally inside of the warehouse enjoying that incredible set at that time. And Thank it was, you for the it was safe report. inside, even though it was packed. Questions? More questions? Commissioner Wang, give you a chance if you have anything. Okay. Um, I don't have much to say on this. It, this will be a learning process. This is one of the, the larger outdoor events that we've actually permitted because we a lot of them are, are on areas that we don't permit, right? So outside lands, the park, uh, port space, all those things are outside of our jurisdiction. No, so port is us. Port is us. Sorry. This um, is port, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the uh, parkland is not. Mm -hmm. So yeah, this is be an interesting um, experiment for us. And I, I you know, I, I, I listened to the caller, and obviously we want to. You know, some people were definitely disturbed by this, and we have to keep that in mind going forward. But I actually thought the 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 the, the points that were brought up in a cynical way on the phone actually are, are true. So weather actually does weird things to sound. That's just a fact, and it makes it carry. We've seen that over and over again with fog, especially where you know we'll have a weird fog pattern, and it'll literally pick up sound from Oracle Park and deposit it in Coal Valley for some reason. And you're like, what just happened there? So that actually is a major factor. So I would encourage you know anybody who's you know who wants to learn more about how sound travels like that it's not just a, a, a function necessarily of somebody just turning up the music too loudly but i you know it'd be interesting to review where we put sensitive receptors and and whether or not it'd be worth um putting you know readings at other places that m might not be as close as the one that we had before but um are you know usual culprits for sound coming from that area but again you know wind and fog and weather makes a huge difference and if the wind shifts direction Nobody in Alameda might hear it, and everybody in outer Richmond might hear it. I'll also say, you know, I live right next to Golden Gate Park, and I live right next to the polo fields, and, you know, at least twice a year we have major events, outside lands and hardly strictly bluegrass, and I, I, I pretty much hear every note in my kitchen, and, you know, I can't expect other people to feel the same way, and I'm not expecting other people, but it actually warms my heart when, when I hear music because it means San Francisco's alive and people are doing things, and I might not be down there, but I'm like, this is awesome so um and again i'm not expecting others to have that same feeling but it, maybe you know maybe it'll help some people to hear that's how i feel <laughs> um and my final thing to say is you know everybody has a right to complain we are we have an incredibly sensitive staff who wants to address issues in real time and solve them and they're incredibly competent i will say some of the email complaints we got were over the top and are were incredibly inappropriate um accusing our staff and our department of trying to kill the elderly and not caring at all about anybody except for ourselves and being in cahoots with XYZ corporation or something. It was absurd. And I honestly, it doesn't help for civic discourse. It doesn't help to solve problems. And I would just encourage people who do have complaints to uh, address us in a way that uh, especially the staff that we preside over in a way that is with respect and knowing that they care. And, you know, if you call them baby killers or grandparent killers, it's not necessarily constructive and it's not going to help to serve our civil society. So that, that rubbed me the wrong way. So I just want to call that out. Um, is there any public comment on this agenda item? There, there are no public comments. All right. We will close public comment. And we'll move on to the next agenda item, which is uh, number four, which is a report from Deputy Director Azevedo. 
Good evening, commissioners. Hi, President Blyman. I'm gonna just um, toggle over here. All right, um, so since we last met, we did receive 171 311 complaints, but please note that 142 of them were about the Portola Festival, which Director Weiland just addressed. Um, so in the attached enforcement report, the 29 non-Portola Festival complaints are gonna be on tab one, and the Portola Festival complaints are all on tab two. Um, so I do have a couple of quick updates to share with you. The first is about that business Outray located at 1787 Union Street. I did touch on lo this location at our last hearing and I explained that this business is not allowed to have entertainment because of their ABC liquor license conditions. Um, and these, this is the location that told our inspectors that they were using music managers rather than DJs. Um, on September 23rd, Inspector Fiorentino responded to a 311 complaint at this location and when he arrived there was definitely a DJ in operation. So we went ahead and issued them a notice of violation for this occurrence and then further reiterated, reiterated that they cannot have entertainment without a permit. The next update for you is about Gestalt located at 315 9 16th Street. And you likely recall that we brought Gestalt to hearing in February of this year because of the number of sound complaints and, and ongoing observation of non-compliance with their LLP permit conditions. So after they came to hearing back in February, we really did see an overall improvement with their compliance. However, inspectors Fiorentino and Zavrina have responded to numerous 311 complaints at that location. And on September 24th at 11.40 p.m., um, when they arrived, they observed a band playing inside the business with the front door open. Under their LLP permit, entertainment is supposed to end by 11 p.m. and their door needs to be closed. So these are points that our inspectors have reiterated numerous times. Uh, we went ahead and issued a notice of violation for the occurrence and we will continue to respond to sound complaints at this location and take enforcement action as necessary if we observe violations. Please note that you also have the ability to bring the owner back to hearing for potential permit reconditioning if you wish. The next update is about the blue light over at uh, 1975, 1979 Union Street. Inspector Fiorentino responded to a 311 complaint on September 23rd at this location. Um, and just making sure that my words didn't get crossed here. Okay, so when he arrived, he observed a DJ performing inside the business with the door open. Um, same thing here, right? They can't have entertainment after 11 p.m. So he attempted to speak to the staff about the DJ, but nobody was on site and that was aware of their permit conditions. So we issued them an NOV for violating their LLP permit. Um, then on September 30th, Inspector Fiorentino responded to another sound complaint at 7 p.m. And when he arrived, he observed a musician outside in their shared spaces area performing at a volume that was well above their approved sound limit for their jam permit. So um, he spoke with the owner who agreed that it was too loud and had the performer turn it down. So we issued another notice of violation, this time for violating their jam permit conditions. So we'll continue to respond to complaints at the blue light. The last update for you is about Temple over at 540 Howard Street. So during the pandemic, Temple opened up an outdoor area in an adjacent parking lot and they obtained a jam permit for outdoor entertainment and amplified sound. They've since closed up that space and reverted it back to a parking lot, but we recently learned that they opened up their rooftop and they're calling it the Skyline Lounge. Um, so both senior analysts Rice and I have been in touch with the general manager on multiple occasions, asking them for a status update on their jam permit application for the rooftop. And we've noted that they cannot have entertainment without a permit up there. 
Inspectors Fiorentino and Zavrina have both visited the location in response to sound complaints. And most recently, uh, Inspector Fiorentino was there on October 1st at 6.30 at my direction after seeing an online ad for a DJ event on the rooftop. And when he went, there was definitely a DJ party occurring. Um, and so he reiterated again, they can't have entertainment without a permit. So we issued a notice of violation for this occurrence. Since I've written this memo, I did speak with one of the owners at Temple who is in the process of applying for their shared spaces permit so they can then in turn apply for the jam permit. Those are the only updates I have for you right now, but I'm happy to answer any questions if you have it. Um, thank you, uh, Deputy Director. I had a question about this Skybridge item mm. where they say the city's paying them to put on the event. Uh, that just was confusing to me. Is it? Yeah, I actually would love to defer to senior analyst Rice about this because I understand that this is a program that's put on by the Parks Alliance. Um, is that correct, Dylan? I know that you had reached out to our contact with SFPA. Yeah, so I, I did, I did reach out it. to my contact at SFPA to find out more information, but um, that was Friday, and unfortunately I have not heard back yet, so mm -hmm. I'm happy to report back. If uh, I might speak up, I'm actually on the board of the San Francisco Parks Alliance. What was the question that we had? I might not be able to speak to it. So um, the question was, you know, there was a sound complaint. Do they have a jam permit? And the answer is they do not. And okay. um, so they, uh, if they are continuing to do this activity, they are operating without a jam permit. Um, so okay. I've reached I'll, out. To, I'll to reach find out, out to the staff and have them get in touch with you, with, okay. with you, Dylan, or with yeah. Caitlin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I can manage it unless Caitlin, you want to be. I'll I'll bring in Caitlin as needed. So I'm, but I'm the one who would process the permit. So. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll reach out to them. Okay. I think this might be part of the SF Live campaign. Um, you know, I don't know. Honestly, it might be. Yeah. Okay. I would follow. Is that up. why it's maybe it's that's why city the related? city is paying for it? Okay. I mean, regardless if the city is paying for it or not, they need a permit. Okay. <laughs> yes. Who's paying for it? Possibly. Agreed that they need a permit. Yeah. I was just yeah. confused as to why something would be paid for by the city but not yeah. permitted. But yep. Maybe the city will pay for their permit. <laughs> but either way, they need a permit. <laughs> Agreed. They need a permit. Thank you. Any other questions from commissioners? I have a quick question for the deputy director on Altra. Do we know how many NOVs they've received? They've only received one NO from our office. <clears throat> this is being under um, investigated by uh, Northern Station, and I believe ALU is also being looped in, if I'm not mistaken. Not entirely sure, but from our office, only one notice of violation. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't have a question so much as a comment where, you know, there's different kinds of violations that happen, and some of them are from people who clearly just don't know the rules and are just you know, mistaken in that. A lot of them are people who have done things a certain way for years and years and years and have never even known they were out of compliance. It does seem like a few of these complaints coming in, specifically Outra and Blue Light, we know, and, and Gestalt, like they actually they do know the rules and we know they know the rules. So those are the ones that, that rub me the wrong way because it's kind of um, 
challenging our ability to manage nightlife and 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 challenging the rules that we are trying to uh, enforce as fairly as possible. So I we, we'll take it offline with the staff, but I'm I'm of a mind to possibly bring in um, the existing permit holders back to hearing uh, just to have a chat with them and maybe consider making some amendments on their permit or if they if you know if they can't act within their permit, then they may not be responsible enough to have one to begin with and these questions that we have to bring up. So I don't know if anybody's listening here who owns those places, but um, I, I mean, we, I think we're past, I personally feel that we're past the point of giving more chances at this point. So we can talk about that offline, but that's very frustrating. Uh, is there any public comment on this agenda item? There are no public comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment. And thank you very much, Deputy Director. Uh, the next agenda item is number five, which is hearing and possible action regarding applications for permits under the jurisdiction of the Entertainment Commission. And we will have the Deputy Director back to introduce our consent agenda. Thanks, President Blyman. So this evening, we only have one limited live performance permit for indoor entertainment on the consent agenda. There was no opposition for the application and Terrebelle Station approved the permit with no added condition uh, conditions. So the staff recommendation is for the commission to vote to approve the consent agenda with the good neighbor policy. Excellent. Any questions or comments from our commissioners? None. All right. Do we have any public comment on uh, that Samore? There are no public comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment. And then the question is, do we have a motion? I move to approve with uh, the good neighbor policy. And the staff recommendations? Yes. <laughs> Second. All right, we can vote. Uh, President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Falzon? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, congratulations, that's Amore, great name. Um, I hope they're talking about the eel. Uh, uh, just follow up with our staff at your next uh, your next uh, opportunity to get your next steps. Thank you very much. All right, uh, we'll move along here and we will introduce the first permit application on the regular agenda. Great, so the next permit on our regular agenda is for a POE permit for Keys Jazz Bistro located at 498 Broadway. This business uh, prior was occupied by the business Horizon. Uh, they also held a POE permit from our office. Keys Jazz Bistro is a live jazz concert venue that will have a full service restaurant and bar. They intend to be open four to five days per week beginning at 5 p.m. and they will have live jazz performances for patrons while they dine. The owner conducted extensive community outreach, sending out a total of 226 letters to their neighbors of which 195 are residential, 13 were commercial businesses, and 18 were to neighborhood groups and associations. They also received two letters of support, which are included in your file tonight. There was no opposition for this permit, and Central Station included one standard condition, which is outlined below. Uh, EC staff will be setting an internal sound limit in accord accordance with Municipal Police Code Article 29 for the business once they are ready. And here to speak with you this evening is the owner, Simon Rowe. Thank you, Caitlin, 
and uh, good evening to everybody, commissioners and uh, staff members. It's, it's, uh, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, we're um, rolling up our sleeves and getting ready uh, for action here and hoping that all uh, is moving in the right direction for us to bring um, sophisticated jazz music back to Broadway. And uh, you probably know the history from the uh, much of the 20th century, there were um, venues such as the, the Jazz Workshop, uh, the El Matador. Um, uh, it's, it's a lovely thought, too, that actually our premises encompasses uh, the venue that used to be the Barnaby Conrad El Matador from 1952 to 1972. So the, the aim here with our club is, as with all high-level jazz performance venues, is to um, build community around the art form and the culture of jazz. Uh, as you're all no doubt well aware, we have uh, probably up to 40 world-class jazz musicians living in the Bay Area who really don't have a place to call home in terms of their performance opportunities. And uh, this is what we're aiming to do with this venue. And uh, along with giving those musicians a chance to perform, we'll, we're also wanting to create community around uh, the venue. Uh, we're partnering also with two very prominent non-profits uh, in the Bay Area, uh, Jazz in the Neighborhood and the Independent Musicians Alliance. And we hope to make this venue a hub uh, in off-axis business hours for other activities uh, for uh, these nonprofit uh, organizations. So um, uh, the, the beauty of the location is that we hope to uh, appeal to the uh, bustling and fast-returning uh, tourist population that's coming back to North Beach. And uh, we hope to uh, re-engage the culture and the spirit uh, that has been part of that, uh, you know, part of the city, part of that part of the city for much of the middle and latter part of the 20th century. So, um, uh, as Caitlin said, we're open four nights a week to begin with, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, we'll go just to midnight on Wednesday and Thursday, and then we'll do the late night, a late night set as well, an 11 o'clock set on Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, but otherwise, our sets will be at 7 and 9, uh, which is, you know, a very traditional way uh, to present uh, the music. All the events will be ticketed. Uh, so people will buy uh, their tickets ahead of time, uh, but they will also we will also hope to uh, provide uh, you know nice dining and and uh, um, cocktail opportunities as well while they concertize uh, with the music. Uh, be very organised, as I said. Uh, we've got a U-shaped facility, so people can come in a reception area and then uh, move through that into the concert space proper. So um, that's basically the picture of things. And uh, if you have any questions, I'm happy to take them. Um, I just want to hear you say this because it's cool, but can you tell everybody a little about your background in jazz music and in promoting uh, jazz? And uh, yeah, sure. It's, well, it's been my whole life. You know, I was brought to the city to to found the Roots Jazz in America music program at the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. And I stepped away from that at the beginning of the pandemic after four years. Prior to that, I was the director of the Brubeck Institute over in the Central Valley, uh, trying to um, propagate Dave Brubeck's career and influence on society. I did that for five years. And 
Then 10 years before that, I taught at the higher education level in the Minnesota State University system. Uh, I have also run a record label during the 90s and uh, had five national releases and have been a performing pianist and organist my whole life. So um, if I'm going to pay the rent that I have to pay there, I'm sure going to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Um, with the nature, I'm just curious, the nature of your performances, are they more of like a, seeing a show and, and maybe quietly talking? But, but Very, very much seeing a show. Yeah. So the etiquette will be the same. When people buy a ticket, they'll be reminded that consideration of their listening colleagues is to be, you know, a priority and um, the people who are coming. You know, I'm not trying to create something that's inaccessible either. It'll probably be a, you know, we're going to start with a $25 ticket so that the accessibility, it won't be an $80 exclusive. Yeah. Nobody can afford it. We really want to try and become uh, an inclusive uh, community venue. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, any further questions? No. Um, I just want to say I'm really excited for you to come into the neighborhood and to open up this concept. Um, yeah, when I looked at where you were located before, it made me giggle a little bit. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's really nice to see a Jazz Supper Club concert coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, is there any public comment on this item? Uh, please. Uh, just you'll have three minutes and make sure you state your name uh, yes. before you come. Thank you. My name is Mario Boneri and uh, speaking uh, in support of my friend Simon. Um, I am also a musician all my life and uh, I should reference one of my early memories was listening to Miles Davis at the Black Hawk uh, when I was 13 from behind a screen because uh, they allowed high school kids to listen to Miles at the Blackhawk as long as they were behind a fence, kind of inside the building. Anyhow, so got to listen to jazz in, in the 50s and 60s. Um, I started a, uh, a nonprofit called Jazz in the Neighborhood um, with a dream that someday Simon would come along and open a club. So this is a dream come true in very many ways because uh, Jazz in the Neighborhood was about access, getting the music back into neighborhoods out of large um, facilities, which are great, but, but don't always uh, create access and equity. Part of our mission was to guarantee all the musicians a guaranteed salary, and out of that grew the Independent Musicians Alliance, which is now a two-year organization uh, in conjunction with Eric Whittington and Burden Beckett. So we're moving that along in a really positive way, uh, organizing musicians, which is uh, exactly like herding cats. <laughs> it's really uh, a challenge, but we're doing it. And um, we're moving the basic wage for musicians up to something uh, that is, has been unheard of in the Bay Area. Um, and over the 10 years, we've paid out $350,000 to $400,000 to about 500 musicians on our roster with uh, Jazz in the Neighborhood. We have a support group of three to 4,000 people who come to our concerts. We can't wait to tell them about this new venue and we will have uh, a little um, collaborative space in the venue, so our headquarters will kind of be there. We've been fiscally sponsored with Intersection for the Arts for 10 years. 
we'll have our independent 501c3 and we'll have a new home at um, Keys Bistro. So um, we'll look forward to building community along with Simon and along with all of you, we hope. And uh, I think it's really exciting and impossible model for cities all over the country. So thank you. Thank you. Any more comments? Incoming. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Stefano Casolato. I spent a lot of time on that 400 and 500 block uh, over my lifetime. Um, we used to have a place called uh, Jazz at Pearls with Pearl Wong, and we had Sonny Buxton, who their whole life was jazz music. And we used to have a place on Union Street called Passant, where vocalists could come out, listen to some jazz, and relax. This is a dearly needed on the two block corridor because it's going through, um, you know, through the pandemic, and it and we haven't turned the corner yet on Broadway and stuff. So this kind of sophisticated music, there's a market for it. The fact that he's well established is is more encouraging because he already has a following. He just needs a you know a flagship and a, and a place to share. So I think there's people in San Francisco that are looking for uh, not just, you know, go out for a meal for their entertainment, but sit down, relax, maybe have a glass of wine and listen to some sophisticated music, think about their life and, and, and share those experiences with others. So uh, all with the um, 124, 140 place over there on... Um, on Columbus, you know, the Supper Club and Echo Toronto and this one coming back, there's there's hope. So hopefully that'll trigger a few other people that might say, hey, you know what? There's a little bit, there's a vibe back on Broadway and there's some synergy. So let's let's participate. I, I really applaud this guy. Thank you. Any more comments? Uh, there are no more public comments for this item. All right, we'll close public comment. Do we have any motions? I move approval with staff recommendations. Is there a second? I'll second. Excellent, we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Falzon? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. Congratulations, your uh, entertainment permit has been approved. Now the fun part comes of the build out. Um, please follow up with our staff at your earliest convenience. And fun fact, I, before my voice changed, I once sang with Dave Brubeck at, at my church when he did some choral work because I was in a fancy choir back as a kid. So anyway, <laughs> from what I remember, Never great guy. Oh, great guy from what I remember. <laughs> I was nine years old. All right, we can do the next item on the uh, hearing agenda. Great. So that'll be our final permit application, which is for a minor amendment to an existing POE permit for the mix located at 4086 18th Street. The amendment request is to include outdoor amplified sound in their existing back patio. The mix has had outdoor pre-recorded music on their back patio since they obtained their POE permit for indoor entertainment in 2006. However, as you know, the EC did not permit outdoor pre-recorded music at that time, and therefore the business was allowed to do this without a permit. Now that outdoor entertainment and amplified sound are under our purview, the mix is simply amending their existing POE permit to include the outdoor pre-recorded music that they've always had. 
Under this application, they are requesting outdoor pre-recorded music Sunday through Wednesday until 11 p.m. and Thursday through Saturday until 1 a.m. I think it's important to note that in 2022, we've received 16 311 sound complaints about the Mixes Back patio, and all but one was submitted anonymously. On September 6th, Senior Sound Inspector Zavrina set an outdoor sound limit for the back patio. He set the limit lower than what the mix previous, was previously operating at and much more conservatively than what is allowed in MPC Article 1060.16, as the limit he set does not exceed the average ambient at this location when measured 50 feet from the back patio. Normally under MPC 1060.16, the outdoor sound is measured at a distance of 250 feet. However, since the distance of 50 feet for the mix, um, it was chosen intentionally due to nearby sensitive receptors. Since the sound limit was set, we have only received one sound complaint. And when inspectors of Rena responded over the weekend, the business was in compliance with their outdoor limit. The applicant conducted robust neighborhood outreach in advance of the hearing, sending out 34 letters to neighboring residences, as well as to their commercial neighbors next door and across the street. They received 11 letters of support, and to date, they have collected 984 signatures of support through an online petition. Additionally, in your file, you will see six letters of opposition. Please note that one of the letters was a template and was sent to me by 12 different people, but I only included one copy in your file. In response to the opposition, I replied to the neighbors explaining more about the permit application and the regulations of the EC. I then asked if I could put them in touch with the applicant. Of the 18 people I emailed, six responded. Two said I could share their contact information. Two said I could not. One had more questions and one person seemed to change their stance after learning more. Additionally, Director Weiland had a long phone call with one of the neighbors who has since been in touch with the applicant directly, along with another one of the neighbors who originally opposed the application. I will note that two neighbors suggested different hours of outdoor sound operation that slightly vary, which uh, you may of course consider at your discretion. These hours would be Sunday through Thursday until either 9 or 10 p.m. and Friday through Saturday until 11 p.m. or 12 a.m. One of these neighbors also suggested some creative ideas for sound mitigation, including sound absorbing materials such as plants and working to replace existing panels on the fence line. The permit holder seemed very amenable to implementing some of this uh, work depending on feasibility and resources. EC staff feel the applicant has made a good faith effort to open lines of communication with the neighbors who are willing to talk with them and are suggesting the below conditions, including an external sound limit for pre-recorded outdoor amplified sound in accordance with the 50 foot ambient measurement I discussed. This is currently approved at 79 dBA, 84 dBC maximum measured from in front of the TV across from the bar on the back patio. We are also suggesting hours of outdoor pre-recorded amplified sound operation in alignment with what the applicant requested, which is again, Sunday through Wednesday until 11 p.m. and Thursday through Saturday until 1 a.m. However, we do want to highlight that a middle ground for the commission to consider that the permit applicant may also be amenable to, which is Sunday through Thursday until 10 p.m. and Friday and Saturday until 12 a.m. Mission Station did not have any added conditions to this application. And here to speak to you this evening is the general manager, Ryan Sherman. Hello. Um, first of all, thank you, Caitlin. Um, I'd also like to thank the rest of the commission uh, for giving us this opportunity. 
uh, to come together and have our voices heard as well as our neighbors. Um, and thank you to the neighbors that have reached out um, personally to me and been willing to have an open dialogue so we can move forward as a community. Um, I am also lucky enough to call the Castro my home, so I definitely understand the importance of us working together. Um, the mix has been a staple of the Castro for years. Uh, when I walk around the neighborhood and see so many vacant spots now, I recognize that we are one of the few small businesses that has persevered and helped maintain the Castro's longtime cultural identity. Uh, it really is an honor to work at a place like The Mix. I, I personally like to think that we try to live up to our name. We, we are a mix of people, uh, a neighborhood bar, and honestly a gathering place for so many different walks of life for our community. Um, I, I do want to make it as clear as possible that the mix is not asking to do anything new with this application. Uh, the bar and its back, back patio has been around as long as I've been alive, for over 30 years. In fact, uh, the bar is eligible to be recognized as a legacy business of San Francisco. We are simply trying to amend this permit to be in compliance with the city and the entertainment commission. In doing outreach over the past few weeks, I spoke to a longtime next door neighbor of the bar. She agreed the bar has always been respectful of the neighborhood, whether it was the mix or even Uncle Bert's before that, and she's lived next to the bar since 1990. Uh, like Caitlin mentioned, when we obtained our uh, POE, or Place of Entertainment Permit in 2006, there was no permitting mechanism for outdoor amplified sound, so we essentially were grandfathered in for the patio. In 2009, the, the California ABC removed any operating conditions from our license. And that approval allows the sales, service, and consumption of alcoholic beverages in the patio area from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. daily. And now, even though we're licensed to do so, we have no intention of going that late during the week. Um, in, in the 10 years that I've worked at The Mix, we've always made a conscious effort to be considerate of our surroundings and mindfully lower our music and move patrons inside well before 2 a.m. This is why we are asking for an 11 p.m. cutoff time during the week and the 1 a.m.s on the weekends, respectively. Uh, while I recognize the complaints that have come through 311 or through the Entertainment Commission this past year, especially as businesses are reopening post-COVID, um, I can assure you that this past month, we've been in compliance with those hours and the sound levels set uh, by the commission. And um, Caitlin, I appreciate you highlighting some of the outreach that we've done this past month. Uh, I'm, I'm pleased to say we did receive letters of support from both businesses uh, on either side of us, as well as some other businesses in the Castro. And it's, it's just a really good feeling to work so closely with uh, other small businesses that have your back. As of today, we passed 1,000 signatures on our online petition of support, and it's, uh, it's been really humbling experience to have so many patrons come up to me and ask questions about their permit, uh, about our permit, and honestly see the surprise because they've been calling the bar and uh, the back patio their home for so many years. So thank you guys. Questions? Can you describe the, um, just for me, I could have asked 
the or staff, but just what the sound system you have in the back is like. Uh, we we recently just put in a it's Sonos. Um, I'd say there's like six six speakers on the actual back patio, and then two going out on the patio bar. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really just using uh, like soundtrack player, um, just playlists. Um, we have had DJs in the past, but that was way before COVID. I mean, I don't know that it's a question so much as just a thank you in particular to the staff for working to connect folks in the community with you and you with folks in the community. And it sounds like some of those conversations have been pretty fruitful in terms mm -hmm. of just opening up lines of communication, which nine times out of 10, as you know, Ben is always the first to say, like it's just about having some ability to communicate and for people to hear responded to when they've got concerns. So thank you. Of course. Um, I'm a fan of the mix. I've spent many <laughs> lovely hours on the patio myself. So um, I appreciate it. But I also, uh, you know, the, the fact that since COVID and sort of more people wanting to be outdoors and so bars with patios I think became even more popular because people could be outdoors and still in a social setting. And I know that, you know, you're not the only venue in town where that has led to increased complaints from neighbors about more outdoor sound, um, as well as, you know, obviously with the shared spaces yeah. program too. So um, all of which is just to say thank you for working with the neighbors. And I hope that continues um, for there to be communication and, and an ability to kind of work towards compromises there. All right, I don't have any more. Oh. I, I have one for the deputy director. If Please. Now's the time. Uh, Caitlin, can you help me get my head around the opposition? So what's the grand total? Because I got a little lost when you said somebody used a form letter and there was like 12 of them, but you only included one. Did I get that right? That's right. So, so essentially there was a template that was going around that uh, 12 people just copy and pasted and sent to me. In addition to the, to the um, 12 individuals who sent me that same letter, I also received an additional six separate letters of opposition. So in total, it was 18 individuals who contacted me stating they opposed the permit or had more questions. And Does that clarify yep, it? Perfect. And then after you received that 18, uh, were you able to reach out and talk to any of them specifically? So of the 18, really the only discourse that transpired after that, Director Wyland spoke with two neighbors directly on the phone a handful of times, which was really helpful since I was out um, sick. And so she managed that. Um, there was also some email exchanges, but I would say, from, I can tell you that of the 18 people, really only discourse happened with four, five of them. So out of the 18, five still continue to oppose this application? More questions. And um, I, I don't know, the two individuals who continued to ha uh, speak with Dr. Director Weiland on the phone and send emails in, um, one of their letters with the final stance on the suggested hours is included this evening. And the other individual um, also, as you can see from the memo, there was two people who yeah. had suggested end time. The, uh, I don't wanna speak 
on their behalf and say that they continued to oppose, but they did suggest an alternative solution to try and make, uh, you know, meet them halfway. Okay. And then lastly, and this could be possibly for the applicant, did the applicant connect with the opposition at all? Was, did they have, a, have you had a chance to talk with them? Yeah, yes, I have. The, the two people that shared their contact information, I've, uh, we're actively talking still. So. And where are you folks at today? Um, I think it's, it's, it does sound like one of them is pretty much in their stance that, you know, entertainment should stop outside and we have the option of playing music inside um, or earlier hours, as Caitlin said. And then um, the other neighbor is a little more receptive and we're working on like sound mitigation stuff that we could do. Um, That's the person who wants the plants? Sorry? That's the person that wants the plants? Yes. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Thank you. All right, uh, let's go ahead and open up to public comment before we discuss this further. So uh, we'll start with public comment in the room. So um, does anybody wanna speak on this item publicly in the room? Okay, how about online or on the phone? Yeah, we have one person on Zoom with the hand raised. I'm going to bring them in, Mr. Para. Mr. Parr, if you can hear me, please unmute yourself, and then you uh, state your name, and you have three minutes for comment. Hi, Mike. It's uh, audio only, right? Audio only is correct, yeah. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, my name is Mark Parra. I am, uh, live, uh, well, I've been living above the mix in its prior incarnations for the last uh, 20 years or so, um, and I've been talking to I said I may be a third person that's been chatting with Ryan. I'm not sure, but um, what uh, when when Ryan made light that the commission had suggested the times of 11 on weekdays and 1 a.m. on weekends, I was a little surprised. But I want to thank Director Wyland for helping me understand um, how that might have gone down. Uh, that the commission does not recommend times, but having said all that. I live about 40 feet above the outside patio of the mix, and I've watched them for many years, those many years now, <laughs> being pretty consistent with an adherence of <clears throat> about going sounds off around 10 p.m. on weekdays and midnight on weekends. It's changed just in the last several years, and I think um, a change to be made, uh, if we're, at, we're being asked to apply an official look out for uh, putting it down on paper, putting it to 11 a.m., 11 p.m., sorry, on weekdays and 1 a.m. on weekends. Um, I just want to ask that this is carefully considered um, only because this is a fairly, out of all the many years they've been operating, this new later time pattern has only been around for a couple of years, a few years now. And uh, if there's action made to make this more permanent. I, I'm hedging more of applying a, a lower standard, or I'm sorry, an earlier time, uh, 10 p.m. on weekdays, midnight on weekends, and have that carefully considered um, for a, a renewal within a certain amount of time by the mix if, if they find themselves um, running clear with complaints, et cetera. And that's pretty much all I have to say in the matter. Uh, uh, just uh, 
Yeah, I want to be sure that this is because this, this uh, there are neighbors that uh, have been concerned to bring their to bring these sorts of commentary, this sort of commentary forward, and I want to be sure I um, at least uh, certainly speak on my behalf, and certainly the one or two people who uh, were concerned to bring it up themselves. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, is there no further public comment? Uh, there are no more uh, public comments on this item. Okay, we can close public comment and entertain some discussion here. Any thoughts to start us off? Can someone just help me find, what, where's the staff's recommendation? Where, where, where do they stand at the moment? Because I'm having a hard So I, I think what, okay, what you'll find in the staff recommendation is specific to the outdoor sound limit that we set in accordance with 50 feet away that ambient right um, outlining that no entertainment is actually permissible in the back patio it's just pre-recorded outdoor amplified sound and that's based on a zoning restriction that we're putting into uh, a condition and then getting specific with days and hours and you'll see a few different options in there there's what the applicant applied for which we've heard um, is a little bit more expansive and goes until 11 on um, weeknights um, and then 1 a.m. on weekends. And then what we've heard from a couple of neighbors so far is suggesting an earlier end time to both weekdays and weeknights, either considering a 9 or 10 p.m. cutoff on weekdays um, and a, a midnight cutoff on weekends. So I do have a thought see how it lands i'd like to propose that we have this place grow into this plan and i would actually support the 10 and, and midnight and see where it goes and track complaints if any and if there's nothing have them come back sooner than later and, and amend it yeah, I do want to just remind the commission and anybody that's watching that the permit holder can always request to come to hearing for a potential change in permit conditions. And we would require neighbor outreach for something like that. Um, and it would come before the commission again if that's the case. So yep. instead of setting a date in no, advance. No, I'm not proposing us set okay. a date. I'm saying to monitor it. And um, if it's working successfully, then allow it to grow. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm strangely I'm kind of on the same mind. Well, usually I'm Why strangely because I mean, usually I'm like, let it rip. <laughs> That's kind of my thing. Well, I thought it was the cop. Thing. No, uh, no, no. Yeah. Agree with the cop. No, um, I actually have a patio that's very similar to this at Dr. Teeth and the, the the difference between our patios and some others. And I think actually I've been in the mixed patio. It was very similar is that the neighbors are literally right on there. Top of it. Like their bedrooms are right there. And so you know, we, we close at 10 on weeknights and then 11 on the weekends. And I'm not suggesting that because I think I think the, there is the, Mission Street is similar. But, you know, anybody who lives in the Castro neighborhood at least should understand. And I'm sure they do that that nightlife is a huge part of that neighborhood. And that there's a, probably a different expectation of, of peace and quiet there. Or that at least I believe there should be versus somewhere like the outer Richmond where I live. So um, I, I'm actually okay with that. And I think the option to grow into it is, is fine, you know, and I would leave it up to the, uh, to the to applicant 
um, you know, when they wanted to reach back out to us to say, and also give them opportunity to kind of operate in peace and with their neighbors and mitigate issues with their neighbors and do things. I was just pointing out that, you know, the, the number of these complaints, or not complaints, the number of the objections and the questions that were anonymous, they also play into my mind for this. So, you know, I, you know, it's, it's hard to uh, have a communication with neighbors when you don't know who they are. <laughs> it's well, really and, hard. <laughs> and I was going to add, if they're actually listening, um, the next go around, anonymous isn't going to carry a lot of weight. So I would encourage yeah. those people to, uh, there is no reason to. Well, and, and just a reminder to anybody that does complain, um, you can put in your name for us, which is helpful in your identifying information because then we can contact you, but then it's up to you. If you want to remain anonymous to the actual permit holder, you have every right to do that. Yeah, and that's fine. I'm, what I'm saying is, I think just in general, I think people mis misunderstand what we do in general, and I do not blame them. I do not expect the average person in San Francisco to understand, understand what the hell the Entertainment Commission does. But just to reiterate, you know, if, if they've been operating outdoor sound for X years at this space, the only option neighbors had really was to call the police. And I don't know if you've noticed, but the San Francisco police are a little busy right now with things that are very, very important. And so, you know, I think a lot of people get frustrated because they don't feel like they have any control. They don't feel like, you know, that their complaints are being addressed and things. That's exactly why we exist. We have a, a staff with inspectors and, an, and a department that literally responds to these things in real time on the weekends in real time and mitigates and gets in the middle and helps to arbitrate and have conversations. And so, you know, people think often, and this is, you all know this, the commissioners, but people maybe who are listening to this think that if we're going to permit somebody, that's just the license for them to make a bunch of noise now. And in fact, I would argue it's the opposite. It's, it's them opting into a program where there is a lot of eyes on them. There's inspectors on them. There's a lot of controls over them. And so, I, you know, if I were a neighbor at a place like this, knowing what I know about the entertainment commission, I would welcome a permit because it would give me as a neighbor more control and more, you know, actually sympathetic ears to talk to that doesn't involve trying to talk, call an overtaxed police uh, department that doesn't necessarily have the bandwidth to handle minor sound complaints for a bar in the Castro. So I just want to reiterate that to anybody on the phone, that this is actually a, um, this is, uh, it, it can actually give you more tools and more control than you had previously. So those are my thoughts. Anybody else? President Blyman, um, may I say something? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just to clarify, um, before you make your motion, to take into consideration that the applicant was requesting uh, certain hours Sunday through Wednesday and different hours to go later Thursday through Saturday. Got it. So as you make your motion, when you say weekdays or weekends, please do clarify so that we can condition appropriately. Yeah, so look at your staff recs to see the differentiation. So I can't tell anybody how to act, but I'm thinking that Commissioner Falzon may want to make the first motion here. <laughs> Give me one second. <laughs> He's got to get his paperwork in order. Okay, so... So the applicant wants the earlier time Sunday through Wednesday and the later time Thursday through Saturday. Well, I'm good with that. My own. So my motion would be to align with uh, Sunday through Wednesday till 10 and Thursday through Saturday till midnight. It would be my motion. 
Okay, so that suggestion didn't even exist anywhere. So, Caitlin, did you get that? Thumbs up. She, yeah. Well, you did? Okay. It, yes, I did. What, what we're basically doing is we're yep. letting Thursday go later. Got it. I totally get it. And that's when our weekend starts to uptick. I agree. So, to me, that's consistent with the industry. Could we hear from Mr. Sherman as to whether that is acceptable? That was a dog. That wasn't me. There's a French bulldog next to me making noises that are probably making their way into the microphone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that would be great. Um, cause like you said, that Thursday night is when we do see that uptick. Um, so I'm, I'm more than willing to work with y'all with that. Okay. Thank you. thank you. Great. Thank you. All right. So we have a motion. Do we have a second? I will second. All right. Uh, public comment is closed already, so, uh, we can vote. President Blyman? Aye. Vice President Camino? Aye. Commissioner Falzon? Aye. Commissioner Thomas? Aye. And Commissioner Wong? Aye. All right, congratulations. And uh, we look forward to working with you more in the future and helping to have a great community over there in the Castro. Um, Good luck. All right, so now we are on to the last agenda item, which is number six, Commissioner questions and comments what do we got I have one comment just um, to let the Commission know next week I will be at the National Harm Reduction Conference in Puerto Rico and among other things we'll be speaking on a panel about harm reduction in nightlife settings along with Cochina Rude who spoke at our entertainment summit um, about uh, their efforts and um, other things that people can do to promote harm reduction and overdose prevention in particular in nightlife and um, entertainment venues. So I just wanted to let you all know that. Cool. This weekend's Fleet Week. Oh, we got Fleet Week. Then we got the daytime. For those of us that live downtown. Mm -hmm. wow. By the way, so we had the it's Marine. Not everywhere. <laughs> we, had the, we had the Marine Band come last year to the CBD, and they're coming back. And oh. I have to say, they're playing all over town. I thought they were going to be like, you're a grand old flag. Yeah, yeah. No, they, that is the it. coolest brass band. They're kind of like Berks. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, they get down, that band. Yeah, that, they are really cool. Went to Hardly Strictly this weekend. It was quite nice. I camped out at the Swan stage. It was beautiful, especially on Sunday. Any final comments? The only thing I'll mention that I didn't agendize in my director's report is just around our survey that's out right now. Oh, yeah. So Dylan has been working really hard to cross-promote that. He shared it with all of you. We would love it if you can push that out. Um, you're likely going to see it in a bunch of different newsletters this week. It closes on October 19th, and I think we have like 46 responses so far. Um, so we would really love to see more because in years past, it's been around 120. I think north of that. 150. Okay. So keep pushing that out. We really want to see updates because it helps us put together reporting for all of our electeds and suggestions around policy changes. Thank you. All right. Is there any public comment on this final agenda item? There are no public comments for this item. All right. And seeing none, we will close public comment and we will adjourn this meeting at 6.43 p.m. Thank you.